The following is a rebroadcast of Stratford University's Tech Talk. To hear Tech Talk live, tune in Saturday mornings at 9. You can find us on the radio on 1500 AM, 104.5 FM, 103.5 FM HD2, 103.9 FM HD2, and 107.7 FM HD2. Or you can listen live online at federalnewsnetwork.com. Interfacing complete. Please stand by. Now downloading Tech Talk Radio with Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Tech Talk Radio, it's technology you can understand. And now here are Dr. Richard Schertz and Jim Russ. Welcome to Tech Talk Radio. We are in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. I'm Dr. Richard Schertz. And I'm Jim Russ. And it's another week in isolation for me. I'm back <laughs> hidden away. Stay away from the dry cleaning bags, okay? I'll stay away from all of that. I'm not sick at all, but we're just in this uh, coronavirus separation period, and we're doing the the show from my office at home. So the the one thing that I did notice this week, I have to print a lot of stuff at home. I ran out of printer ink. Oh, that's not good. Because I'm printing so many documents, so now I ordered more printer ink. It's not going to come until Monday. So, so the show outline today is printed in blue because I had no black ink. You could you could get creative and make. You see, maybe that's a, the thing for Tech Talk to uh, the the uh, research department. Figure out things you can make replacement toner printer out of, so you don't have to go out of the house. That's what I need to do. Food Refill coloring. my ink cart. Well, you can refill your ink cartridges if you really want to save money, but I'm not into that quite yet. I'm going to talk about the app of the week this this week, Get Upside. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. I get rebates on gas that I buy. I thought this was like a gimmick, but I've gotten gas three times in the last two weeks. I now have ten dollars in rebates. Wow! And I, so you you know I get about twenty cents a gallon. I mean it's uh, actually it's quite easy to do and worth it. So I thought I'll talk about it uh, this week. I'm going to feature the the man who started TikTok. That, that, of course, TikTok is that uh, video sharing platform for short videos that uh, that 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 young young people use, actually. And uh, he all, and it's uh, it's owned by the parent company ByteDance. I'm going to so talk about the, the founder of ByteDance and the creator of TikTok. And of course, it was a huge, huge mailbag. There's a letter in your mailbox. Yes, we got an email from Dave in Everett, Washington. Hello, Dr. Shirts and Jim. I've got several old computers that I've outgrown and which are now gathering dust in my garage. I'd like to donate or trash them responsibly, but I'm concerned of the information that may still reside on the hard drives. Can you recommend a program you trust that will totally wipe all the files clean? Good question. Thanks for a great show, and I listen to each program via podcast. Dave and Everett, Washington. Well, Dave, to wipe your hard drive means to completely erase it of all of information. Now, we know that deleting files doesn't really wipe the hard drive. That just basically deletes the index that references the file location. And then if you delete the index, you can't actually reach the data with your operating system. But there are data recovery tools that can go beyond the operating system, and they can reclaim the data that's still left on there. So to really make it secure, wipe, you've got to actually wipe all the data so that there's no trace of it. 
There's a great program, uh, Dave, that I've talked about before, Derek's Boot and Nuke. <laughs> Derek's Boot and Nuke. They, they call it D-Band, D-B-A-N, Derek's Boot and Nuke. So D-Band is a free data destruction, data dis destruction software. It's ready to go. It's in an ISO format. That means that's the format uh, on a when you copy a file to a CD and then you boot off the CD, you actually copy the ISO file to the CD. So what you do, you would basically go to the D-Band download site, which is at SourceForge. But you know, rather than try to give you that complicated link, just search Derek's boot boot and nuke. And you'll get to it. It's on, on Source SourceForge. So you download it, and then you need a CD rewrite, and you can copy that ISO file to the CD. You could also copy it to a thumb drive if your computers will boot up on the thumb drive, but I'm thinking they may not. Now, if your computers don't have a CD rewrite, a CD reader in them, you can buy one for about $15 and plug it into the USB port. And then what you do, you boot up the computer off the CD. And so it will boot right up into D-Band. And then it's a very easy menu, and you just say you want to delete everything, and it will wipe the files multiple times. It will overwrite them, and it will wipe it again, overwrite it, wipe it again, and it will get rid of any magnetic memory. D-Band is an excellent tool, Dave, and it won't cost you a penny. And uh, it'll it'll just get rid of the data. It will not get rid of the, uh, the operating system or the applications on the No, it wipes everything. It wipes everything. Everything gotcha. off the drive. I, I, you know, everything. I, this I, is when this is when you want to have a, a hard drive that has no no data left. I have a funny feeling after this quarantine is 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 finished, this isolation period, a lot of people using their work computers at home may need this. They may well they may yeah, you know, they don't want to know what they don't want their boss to know where they've been surfing. But mm -hmm. you know, a lot of work computers are really tied into the central server system and the so IT the IT department can track everything. Yeah. There's if, if you're if you're using a work computer, don't do Be anything. Be careful. Personal. No, don't do anything personal on it because I'll tell you the IT department can track everything. Yep. Uh, yep. It's set up to track everything. It's government. It's it not government. It's it's company property or government property, and just don't do anything personal on it. Keep have an absolute rule that nothing personal on that computer. Mm -hmm. Right, because you because you don't want to go to a website and then get a, get some malware or something. You exactly. just want to you just want to do it for work and keep the kids off your work computer. Jeez, oh, yeah, for Very sure. Very important. We got an email from June in Burke. Dear Doc and Jim, I'm worried about the security of my laptop when I'm traveling. I use Wi-Fi hotspots and hotel Wi-Fi's to connect. You've talked about VPNs to get secure connections, but what what are some VPNs that you'd recommend? I enjoy the podcast, June, in Burke, Virginia. Well, June, you are right on the money. A VPN is a virtual private network. It's a great way to ensure that you got a secure network connection. It basically connects to what they call a proxy server, and the proxy server makes all of your web requests. So if anybody, if you make a request to a particular website, it goes to the IP address of the proxy server, not to the IP address of your computer. So people can't tell where you're located. Now, the nice thing is the connection between your computer and the proxy server is encrypted with DES-256. That's a very good encryption. So if anybody intercepts your traffic, 
they don't know what you're doing because it's fully encrypted. So it's a very safe way to go. It's also nice if you're traveling and you want to use, say, some media content that's only available in the U.S. and you're, say, in France, you can log on to a proxy server in the U.S. and the company serving up that uh, media will think you're in the U.S. because the proxy server's in the U.S. and the IP address is in the U.S. Now, there are three good options. I'm going to give you what I think is the best overall VPN, but if you're on a budget, I'll give you a budget VPN, which is pretty good. And then I'll give you one if you if you want to connect like 10 devices, you've got a lot of connections. So the best overall VPN in my judgment is ExpressVPN. I've been using ExpressVPN for years and I love it. But it's $12.95 a month. And I think I do, I think I do the annual subscription, which is like $99. Okay. But the um, ExpressVPN has over 30,000 IP addresses, which is really good because some of these uh, providers, if they want to keep you from, you know, using their content because you're in France instead of in the U.S., they'll block certain IP addresses, and you can just go to another IP address within the ExpressVPN system. It's sort of a cat and mouse. It really irritates me, like if I'm in India, and I'm paying for Netflix, and they won't let me watch Netflix in India. Mm-hmm. But it's but I'm, I'm subscribing to it. I'm not bootlegging it. And uh, so the only way I can do that is, you know, use a VPN. Now, they also have got 160 server locations in 94 countries, and there are more than 3,000 servers available. And they also have a strict policy of not logging any of your traffic. So they do not log which websites you're looking at at all. They don't log anything. So there's you don't have to worry about privacy or the police coming in and saying, well, who was, there was somebody looking here? You're, it's, you're about as anonymous as you can be. And they have unlimited bandwidth. I use that. I've got it on my cell phone. I've got it on my laptop. Whenever I travel, I'm on ExpressVPN. Now, if you're on a budget, June, Tunnel Bear. Tunnel Bear <laughs> is a very good one. Tunnel Bear. Bizarre name. I know, Tunnel Bear. And it's got a little, the you know, you go there, the little web interface. There's a little bear there. It's kind of a cute interface. Now, the free service, they have a free service, but you're limited to 500 megabits per month. Uh, megabytes per month, 500 megabytes per month. And, um, and and really, so if you're just surfing the web and not, I mean, so you, you probably would not be watching movies with Tunnel Bear. See, like with my ExpressVPN, I can watch movies because I've got unlimited bandwidth. But if you just want to surf the web anonymously and, and and get on a VPN, you can probably listen to audio but not video. It's a good, it's a really a good option for 500 mega, mega, and it gives you a 500 megabytes per month free. Now, if you want to get, uh, more bandwidth, you can actually, there's a paid version of Tunnel Bear, which is $4.95 per month, and that gives you five devices. Oh, yeah, uh, v- ExpressVPN gives me five devices. I think I forgot to mention that. And then you get customer service, and they never log anything. Then they do independent annual audits, but they don't, they don't have the capacity of ExpressVPN. They've only got 22 server locations instead of 160 like ExpressVPN. They have 1,800 servers instead of 3,000 servers like ExpressVPN. But it's fine if you just want to surf at a coffee house. But if you're not an idea, uh, not a heavy user, Tunnel Bear is a good option. Now, suppose you're one of these guys that just has a boatload of devices that you want to hook up. Like you. Know, you. Yeah, like me. You know, and so th- there's here's one called. 
IP Vanish. Mm. IP Vanish, because that's where you want to surf anonymously. And now you can connect up to 10 devices to that. So you could be, you could have all sorts of VPN connections. I, I've never needed more than five, but, but see, the, the thing is with five connections, I can share it with other people. It, it doesn't have to be me. So, I, so you could use it as a family. Or if you have a big family, maybe you want everybody on VPNs, maybe uh, IP Vanish is a good option. Now, IP Vanish has 1,300 servers as, as compared to ExpressVPN of like 3,000. It's in 75 countries. It has 40,000 IP addresses instead of, it, that's actually more IP addresses than ExpressVPN, which is 30,000. It also has a policy of not logging any data. And it uses, of course, they all use 250-bit AES encryption. That's $10 a month or about $120 a year. So that's about the same price as ExpressVPN. So if you need fewer than 10 simultaneous connections, I'd go with ExpressVPN. If you need more than, or no, fewer than five, uh, five or fewer, I'd go with ExpressVPN. If you need more than five connections, um, then you'd want to go with IP Vanish. So, June, I hope that helps you, and I hope you have secure surfing in your travels. We got an email from Brian in Erie, Kansas. Tech Talk. I'm tired of this coronavirus isolation. <laughs> I want to do some video chats to uh -huh. fill the time. <laughs> My daughter is doing uh, Zoom happy hours in Philadelphia. That is a great idea. All the kids are getting together, kids, you know, millennials. That, and they that, have happy hour via Zoom. That's a fantastic idea. Now, what Brian wants to do, he wants to do karaoke via video chat. Oh, boy. He's getting everybody together to do karaoke. But I want to know which client to use. All my friends have iPhones, and I have an Android. So all my friends want to do it on FaceTime but I don't have FaceTime. How can I bridge this gap between my Apple friends and me, who's an Android standout, isolated? So what do you recommend? Brian in Erie, Kansas. It's actually it's an interesting question because people are getting involved with these uh, platform differences. Well, there are many video chat applications out there, Brian, and, and they only work on certain platforms, as I'm sure you've noticed. Now, I wish that Apple would create a cross-platform version of FaceTime because FaceTime is really convenient to use. But I think that's a pipe dream. They view FaceTime as a real Apple competitive advantage, and they don't want to share it. Mm -hmm. So probably the best cross-platform option for you is Facebook Messenger. Facebook Messenger it's got great video chat, and pretty much everybody has it because if right. you got Facebook, you got Facebook Messenger, and uh, and both Android and iPhones have dedicated mobile apps for Messenger, and the and all everybody can get on it. So I'm thinking that your best option, Brian, is going to be Facebook Messenger. Now, if you um, Skype's not a bad option. You can do Windows to Windows Skype. You can put Skype on an Android phone. You can put Skype on an iPhone. And that's uh, so Skype is okay. I don't think the interface is as good as Facebook Messenger. In fact, I'm connected to the studio today through Skype, but I'm not doing video. No. I, I, tur I turned off the video, Jim. You know, I just we want don't to need, sit here. Because <laughs> after all, it's radio. It is radio, yeah. You know, I, you know, I got dressed up. I'm in a suit. I'm dressed up. I don't I'm believe that for a minute. <laughs> Not got for a, a suit, 
got a suit and a tie and you know I'm sitting here eating a, a bagel. Uh, it's, and uh, <laughs> It's funny that you mentioned that, but I saw a couple of stories yesterday that Walmart has uh, released a press release uh, saying that people online, because of working at home, their online orders for tops. People are ordering more tops than they are pants. Really? Yes. Oh, of course, because you don't need pants. You don't to need do, pants. You don't need pants to do video conferencing. Who needs pants? This, this whole thing is going to get rid of pants. Pants will be a thing of the past. I know, I know, but wow. I, 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 I heard of this one horror story where some guy was doing that, <laughs> oh, and his, geez. and the, and the, his, and his iPhone fell, fell <laughs> off the, the mount, <laughs> and everybody could see that he had nothing on below oh, his shirt. Oh no, oh no, that's terrible. <laughs> so, so if you do that, you Make must sure. have a very secure mount for your video device. <laughs> and please wear pants, at yeah, least shorts. Wear- it works. Yeah, be yeah, be be decent. You know, be decent. I, I've been I I haven't worn a pair of long pants and I don't know well. I've been walking around in shorts, <laughs> nice shorts, but they're still shorts, right? Yeah, of course. And of course, if you're just FaceTime is really great if you're just an Apple person. It's on Macs, iPhones, iPads, but it's not going to work for you. Uh, it's not going to work for you, Brian, because all your uh, because you you've got an Android. Now, if you're if all your friends had Androids. There's an equivalent application for just Android to Android users called Google Duo. Hmm. And Google Duo is their is their competitive application to FaceTime. So if you could form a club of only Android users, <laughs> Google Duo would be really good for you guys. And then you could then you could tell the iPhone people, you know, it's too bad you can't join our See, group because because you don't have Google Duo. Th- this will further, <laughs> uh, you know, divide us, uh, coronavirus, it'll divide us into two other subsets, iPhone people and Android people. That's right. So so listen, uh, Brian, I want you to write back. I want to know how this whole karaoke yeah, thing works know. out. But, uh, you know, I'm, send actually, us a video. I, actually, yeah. if you can, send us a video. Or that if, would, if, yeah, we'd that. Love would that would be fun. But I'm thinking I'm I'm thinking I like the happy hour better. But there's no reason that you can't yeah, I bet combine you would like the happy hour. There's no reason why you can't combine the happy hour with karaoke. I would you suggest know. that if you're involved, we not combine because I have a funny feeling you're not a very good singer. No, I'm not. I'm not at all. Let's see. I just sort of what it is. I turn down the mic and just move my mouth, and then you listen to everybody else. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> good call. See, that's that was my secret in choir when I was in high school. You were I in choir. My, Oh yeah, I was. Oh yeah, I was in choir, but you know, and and my, I, I was in a Catholic school, and the sister you stay, she, she said, you know, Rick, you know, I hate to tell you this, but you're never quite, you know, you're never quite on tune. So she said, why don't you just move your mouth and well, and look and look like you're really pounding it out there. I had a but, similar, but just, but just don't say anything. I had a similar experience again. Catholic school. My mother gave me a guitar one Christmas, and I couldn't figure it out. So when the nuns figured out that I had a guitar, I was drafted for the folk mass. Oh, and my I God. couldn't play a chord. So I would stand <laughs> up there and just fake strumming. There was a, Luckily, there was another guitarist, and I would stand there and act like I would. And it, you know, maybe I'd play a chord here and there, but I just – total – I mean, folk mass became a complete stress event for me. Yeah, that's like me singing in the choir. Let's so maybe, not do this maybe, together. Maybe, maybe someday I could sing and you could play guitar and we could we could have. The guitar could, is long gone. Let me tell you, we could we could long pretty gone. much drive everybody off the air if we did that. No thanks. Okay, we got an email from Dutchie in North Carolina. Dear Doc and Jim, our company uses Zoom for video conferencing during the coronavirus shutdown. How can I record a Zoom conference 
for later reference. I can't find the record button anywhere. That's a good question. Love the podcast, Dutchie in North Carolina. Well, Dutchie, if you're hosting a Zoom meeting, if you're the host, you can, and you want to record it for future use, you can. There's a, for the host, there's a record button. But if you are a participant in the meeting, you must receive permission from the host before you're able to record. Mm -hmm. So the reason you can't find the record button is you're not the host, and the host hasn't given you permission. By default, only the host can record on a video call. By the way, we use Zoom at Stratford for all of our online courses. The students love it. It's a great interface. Yeah, let me ask you about Zoom since since you're talking about it. So if 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 you're the the the, the meeting host and you record the uh, the meeting, can you then disseminate it to the people that were involved yeah. so they can have a record of it? You, you can disseminate it. Good. You can certainly do that. Yeah. So you can save it. That, I mean, that's what we'll do. So we're doing all of our Zoom sessions on, uh, you know, for their online courses. Uh-huh. Then we'll record it, and then we can just post it to the Moodle platform, and then the students can see it there. But sometimes you'll have a meeting, and the host is not recording it, and you just want to save your own recording. And so the the host can actually, you know, can actually enable that. So. When you uh, so if you want to record if you if if a host wants to give a participant the 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 right to record the thing mm-hmm. the host basically there's something uh, there's a little button for the host that says manage participants okay manage participants so you click on that and you'll see a list uh, a list of the participants that are logged into your Zoom session and then you hover over one of the participants' name and there will be a, a, a window that comes up and click on more. And then you'll see a drop-down menu that says Allow Recording, and click on that, and then the guest will be able to record the meeting. So, so Dutchie, just ask your host to let you record, and then you'll have the full rights. The reason they set it up that way uh-huh. is sometimes people don't want to have a bunch of recordings of a meeting. Right. Maybe, they, yeah. maybe, they want to, maybe they might want to keep it confidential. Goes so for security, exactly. Sure. Yeah. So, so sometimes they, that's, how, that's why it's set up by default that way. We used to use Adobe Connect, which was excellent. But Zoom was a startup, and their license fees are substantially lower than Adobe Connect. Hmm. So they are stealing all the Adobe Adobe Connect customers. We we switched over to them last year and love it. We so love Zoom. Let me ask you this: How secure is Zoom? That's the other question I have. Uh, it's. Um, I mean, I would say it's pretty secure, except I just saw some reports this last week that there were some security breaches in Zoom. I would not discuss uh, nuclear secrets over Zoom. <laughs> Do you I, have I, any I nuclear secrets? No, I don't okay. think this I don't think this is, you know, security grade secure. I mean, you know, you know, it's high level security is not using Zoom. I, I don't think the NSA would be using it. I, I, uh, and, there, and there were some breaches of, on the Zoom server. So um I would say it's moderate security. Okay. I don't, I don't think it's insecure. I mean, so you you've got to work at it, but I would not I would not you do highly classified things with this video conferencing software. We got an email from Alex in Boston. Dear Doc and Jim, my mom recently passed away, and I had to clean out her house, so could go into go for, uh, go for sale. While going through her closets, I found an old Kodak 110 camera with a half-used roll of film in it. Are there any places that I can still process 110 film? Oh, sure. I'd love to have that film. Well, uh, Alex, there are a lot of places to process 110 film. A real convenient place. You can go to, you can take it to CVS, and they'll process it for you. But they you know what to, I would do? before where, what, what, if, what, if it was half-used film, I'd try to take the rest of the pictures before I send it in. Wouldn't you? 
Well, I don't know. I would. I'd hate to if it's cracked. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's I a guess good point. You, that's a good point. It depends how old it is and yeah. whether it would crack if uh-huh. you start pulling it out, because you're basically rolling it up further. I think I'd just leave it. Okay. Um, but uh, uh, but you but but if the, if you drop it off at CVS, it'll take a couple of weeks because they got to send it off. It's not the you know it, this is not your normal kind of order. Right. But there is a company called Film Rescue. And that's it's filmrescue.com. Film Rescue, it basically specializes in processing aged film and videotape. So they'll develop and print, and they're they're a little bit more expensive, but their service is focused on salvaging any images that might be there. And so if you think there's something really important here, I'd just send it to Film Rescue. And you just just go to filmrescue.com. You'll get an address and you can just mail the film there. Listen, we love your emails. Emails at techtalk at stratford.edu and get back to you as soon as we can. This is Tech Talk Radio, heard on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and now southwest of Washington on 1077 FM HD2. In Loudoun County, listen to us on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. We're in the virtual faculty lounge at Stratford University talking technology. And now it is time for... Profiles in IT. Yes, today we're going to feature Zhang Yeming. Zhang Yeming is a Chinese internet entrepreneur. He's best known as creator of TikTok, the video sharing platform that uh, that nearly teenagers use. And you mean you don't use it? No, I don't. You but don't. I, you know, I, I think I may have to start doing some lip sync videos. That's I don't what they, think so. You that's know, what a lot of do. a lot of news organizations are using TikTok, which I find to be an interesting choice. They're trying to get at the younger demographic. Well, yeah, I, That's I what know. it's all about. I know, but know? It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And I don't think the, the older news newscast anchors just don't fit the mold. No, they don't. TikTok. Now, Zhang Yiming, he was born April, uh, April 1983 in China's Fujian province. 
Now, Zhang's parents were interested in, they, they were somewhat out of the mold in that they didn't say, you've got to become a doctor or an engineer. They pretty much encouraged him to try new things and allowed him to, to decide on his own the direction of, of life that he wanted. And, and he decided at a young age, he just wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was what he was always focused on. In 2001, he enrolled in Nankai University in Tianjin, where he majored in microelectronics, but then he quickly switched to software engineering because of his interest in the internet. He graduated the university in 2005. The next year, he got his first job out of college at an online travel booking startup called Kuchin, Kuchin, K-U-X-U-N, Kuchin, and that means cool search. He was one of the first employees. I think he was employee number five, actually. Mm -hmm. Within a year, he was supervising 40 to 50 people working on the back-end technology. And a year after that, they promoted him a technical director. So he had a real ability to develop technology. In 2006, Zhang left Kuchin for Microsoft. He wanted to experience a big company, but he got there. And he was stifled by corporate rules and <laughs> politics, bureaucracy, and everything else. And he hated it. So he soon left it and went to FanFao. Now, FanFao was a microblogging website in China, which was a Twitter clone. Microblogging, that's a tweet, 140 characters. That's a microblog. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and he was... Uh, and so he, he was working at FanFao there, but the company never really took off, never really competed with Twitter, and they eventually failed. So after that, in 2009, he started taking a look back at uh, Kuchin again. This was this first company that, uh, you know, this travel, this, you know, this uh, travel site company. And they were about to be uh, acquired by Expedia. But they had this one section of the company that was that was the real estate search business, and so he said, "Look, why don't I? Why don't you just carve that out? I'll buy the real estate search business, and you can sell all the travel stuff to Expedia." So he carved out the real estate search business, and then he started his first company. It was a real estate search business. He called it Ninety Nine Fang, Ninety Nine Fang. Now. That translates into 99 rooms, 99 rooms. See, it was real estate, 99 rooms. Mm -hmm. So 99 Fang was his first company. And it was a real estate search portal. Now, at this time, there was the big move over to mobile. This was around that time of the big move over to mobile. And uh, so within the next six months, he launched five mobile applications and his, his uh, user count just blossomed because he had he was on he was on the uh, he was on the cell phone his most popular mobile app was renting a house or buying a house he had one for renting a house one for buying a house uh, within uh, less than a year he had 1.5 million users and 99 fang which means 99 rooms became the most popular real estate app now he was also at that time looking at uh, the users in China, and they were all on the smartphones, and they were struggling to find information with the search engines. Uh, Baidu, 
uh, was not doing very well providing good search results for them. They were putting too much advertising in it. People were just frustrated with search. So Zhang wanted to create a platform, a search platform, that that selected websites in a different way. He wanted to use artificial intelligence. And what he wanted to do, he wanted to uh, observe the kind of searches that someone uses, someone makes, watch which sites they select after they've made the search, and gradually build up data so you can figure out what kind of sites this particular user would like to use. So you basically have searches that are tailor-made to you. And that was his basic concept. So he decided that he this was a whole other venture. So he hired a professional CEO to run 99FANG. I guess he was just, you know, tired of running the real estate portal. So he turned it over to a, to a professional manager, and he focused on building his new venture. That's when he founded ByteDance. That was in 2012. ByteDance. See, B-Y-T-E dance. Because you see, he takes bytes of information uses them with artificial intelligence and makes them dance mm -hmm. and gives you great search results. So he has Byte Dance. So it was obviously a data-driven company. So we started in a four-bedroom apartment there in 212 in Beijing. And he went out, he tried to get some venture capital money from, uh, from Silicon Valley, from Sequoia and the big guys there. And they said, come on. There's no way you're going to compete with Tencent or Baidu. You, you know, you, another search company, you're, the space is too crowded. You're not going to be able to do anything. He, would, he couldn't get any money from them. But finally, finally he found somebody who would, who would fund him. He, uh, he, he found a, a, a Susquehanna Investments in China, and he also found a billionaire investor in China, Yuri Milner. And they contributed uh, $5 million in Series A financing. And with that money, he launched his first news app, where he would provide a news feed based on what people wanted. And so he, then the name of it was Tutsiao, Tutsiao. And it's uh, and he was a it was an it was a basically a news feed it was launched August of 2012, and this news feed was sort of like the uh, the feed in Facebook where you get news fed to you in Facebook. Mm -hmm. But he used artificial intelligence to feed you the news that you wanted to have. So instead of having to search for stuff, uh, basically your news feed would be through artificial intelligence tailored more and more of the things that you like. He would look at what you clicked on of the news and he could tell what you liked and he gave you more and more and more of it. And this was extremely popular because in China, people had trouble because they had this great uh, censorship in China. The Chinese government made it hard to get information. And so it was, just, it was just inconvenient to get information. And his news feed just fit a niche. Uh, within two years, he had 13 million users now, by the way, Tutsio in Chinese means headline. So that was the second company that he started. Now, after he had 13 million users, Sequoia Capital from Silicon Valley said, okay, I guess we could take a look at this guy. Looks like he knows something about what he's doing. <laughs> and they led a round of financing, and they raised $100 million for him. And they, they invested, and they brought in other investors. They put a round of $100 million. And, um, and with that, he 
launched Tutsio How. Now, that is a platform where people can generate content, sort of like uh, YouTube. But what he did here, you see on YouTube, uh, how you how people view your videos is that it'll be on some kind of news feed somewhere, and people will discover it because it's uh, you know it's advertised through some kind of news feed. And he used the same AI techniques to identify what videos or what content somebody would be interested in, and so they started feeding the right content to them through sort of an AI engine. So this was his whole theme was to use AI to deliver content or search results to the person to make the web easier to use. And that became extremely, extremely popular. Now, he, um, he then launched, he thought, okay, I better launch a standalone video site. So then he launched uh, Jinghua Video. Now, it's also known as Watermelon Video, but in China, it's Jinghua Video. And that ran short form, it was a short form video platform that hosted video clicks video clips that averaged two to five minutes long. So they were a bit longer than what the TikToks were, but the, he was sort of evolving toward that general direction. Then he launched Top Buzz, which is a content discovery platform for videos, articles, breaking news, and um, pictures outside of China. He was trying to basically uh, do uh, news feeds for no, the non-Chinese marketplace. So he, he put Top Buzz, he marketed that in the United States and Brazil and Japan. In 2017, because he wanted to get into the U.S. market, he purchased a global news app called News Republic for $86 million. So that was a, a news app that had been, a news feed that had been popular in the United States, but they didn't have that AI back end. So he purchased them, he put his AI back end on it, and the thing took off. It was extremely popular. Then in 2017, ByteDance acquired the Los Angeles startup Flipagram. Now, Flipagram uh, basically was an app that allows you to turn your photos or your sl into slideshows or to have short videos. It was sort of one step closer to this TikTok idea. Now, he bought Flip Flipagram because he wanted to get into the U.S. market. He wanted to get their users, and he wanted to see what was going to happen to get into the U.S. market. Also, Flipagram had been, one of the big investors had been Sequoia. Sequoia said, look, I think that Flipagram within the ByteDance platform would be more successful, so Sequoia engineered the sale. Then he started to develop an app where users could create short lip sync videos or comedy videos or talent videos. He integrated the same AI to basically advertise them and put them on feeds for individuals. And so you could get the, get the you know, you could get a very, you could get videos that you really like fed to you automatically. He was able to develop this app in only, um, in only 200 days. So he was really honing in on what people liked. Now, it was called Douyin. And the, the app was first launched in China in September 2016. Within a year, it had one million users with more than one billion videos viewed each day. Now, Zhang wanted to build a global version of Douyin. So in 2017, he created TikTok. 
which is basically just an international version of Douyin, where you have short videos. It's a video delivery platform of short videos. TikTok is not available in China. The data stored on TikTok is stored outside of China. Now, the reason he did that is that the Chinese Communist Party censors any data that's stored in China. And he wanted to prove his independence from Communist China. Uh, now, the U.S. military doesn't buy that, actually, mm -hmm. that it's really independent. They still ban its use, but it actually has just taken off in the U.S. Within two months of TikTok's launch, ByteDamp then spent another $1 billion to purchase Musical.ly. Now, this also was a, um, a video platform, and it basically just had young users in its base. So what he did, he took the TikTok engine, combined it with the Musical.ly user base, merged them together into a larger video community, it's, and TikTok still retains the core features of both apps, short-form short -form videos up to 15 seconds. Now, that what was interesting, uh, and, they, and they just, after that, it just took off. But he had all these executives who were like older people. Not, none of them ever made TikToks. Yeah, and, right. you know, be, you know they, they, they didn't do TikToks. So what, what, one thing he did, he decided, look, we have to, we, you know, we, 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 we have to, uh, what did they say? You have, to, you have to eat what you sell. Mm -hmm. and, so, and so he basically said, look, we're all going to make TikToks. So he set up his own TikTok account. He started making lipstick TikTok videos. And he required all of his senior employees to make TikTok videos so they could see what it was like to make TikTok videos. And that process of forcing the development team to actually use the product made the product better. Now, TikTok became the third most downloaded non-game app in the world following uh, WhatsApp and Facebook Messenger. And then it became a cultural phenomena. The app was downloaded 1.57 billion times. Nearly half of those downloads occurred in 2019. Now, during the COVID-19 pandemic that we're still in, TikTok hit 2 billion downloads and became the most installed app in the world. With this latest download during COVID-19, TikTok surpassed WhatsApp as the most downloaded app in the world. Now, here's the deal. In 2020, ByteDance is worth more than $100 billion, mm. according to recent private share transactions. And I think when I was checking up, I think that uh, Zhang owns 24% of that. So he's worth about $24 billion, wow. which is not bad no. for a guy who's just building this thing up. And he did it without any support from the big corporations within China and with no support from the Communist Party. So he did it on his own independently and did something that none of the VCs expected him to be able to do. So there you go. Everything you'd want to know about Zhang Yiming, the creator of TikTok and the creator of its parent company, Bite dance. This is Tech Talk Radio, heard on 1500 AM, 1035 FM HD2, 1039 FM HD2, and now southwest of Washington on 1077 FM HD2. In Loudoun County, listen to us on 104.5 FM. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. 
IT trends, software, the internet, and IT careers. More of Tech Talk Radio, presented by Stratford University, coming up in a moment. In the next three years, there will be 3.5 million unfilled cybersecurity jobs. How can you make that work for you? Stratford University offers everything you need to succeed, from certifications to bachelor's and even master's degrees in cybersecurity to prepare you for a rewarding career in today's most lucrative and sought-after field, cybersecurity. Stratford has seasoned IT faculty, well-equipped labs, and real-life scenarios to help you achieve practical solutions to today's newest challenges. And Stratford makes a cybersecurity career reality with accelerated classes, year-round program starts, and both on-campus and online options to fit your busy schedule. All disciplines are offered, including digital forensics, networking and telecommunications, and our full line of degrees, including a master's in cybersecurity. Find the future of you with a future in cybersecurity. Go to stratford.edu slash cybersecurity today. That's stratford.edu slash cybersecurity. If it's technology, it's Tech Talk Radio. IT trends, software, the Internet, and IT careers. Here's Dr. Richard Schertz of Stratford University with Tech Talk Radio. Live from Washington, it's the Stratford University Pop Quiz with Andrew Mitchell, Jim Russ, Featuring Mr. Big Voice. With musical guest, the Stratford University Junkyard Band. And your host, Dr. Richard Schertz. That's your cue to start talking. Oh, sorry. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is fantastic. Sorry, and I turned on the wrong uh, fader, so you're you're here now. These, the, you know, this is not just a radio show. This no. is Classroom of the Airways. Right. And, of course, we are going to evaluate whether our audience has been listening with the pop quiz. And if you get the right answer to the pop quiz, you'll get two tickets to fine dining at one of our dining rooms when they finally open. And we're getting close to opening, I think, within oh, good. a month. So uh, earlier in the show, I was talking about Zhang Lim Yiming. He, of course, is the creator of TikTok and its parent company, ByteDance. Now, this is the question. The name of his first company was 99FANG. Now, what does 99FANG mean? Okay, campers, it's that time. If you know the answer to today's question, pick up your device, give us a call. Dialing from west of the Rockies, 877-936-9333. Calling from next to a pile of empty oyster shells in Playa del Shirts, Virginia, it's 877-936-9333. Tick-tocking from your four-bedroom apartment in Canada. Call us on the wildcard line, 877-936-9333. Anyone else, anywhere else may call us on the international line. It's protected by sheets of plywood, 877-936-39333. Now, once again, here's Dr. Richard Schertz. Yes, indeed. Let's talk about the app of the week now. Yeah. Get Upside. Now, I saw this app advertised, and I think this looks a gimmick. So I decided I'm just going to try it out. So this is Get Upside, partners with businesses, and it gives you cash back on everyday purchases. Now, most of the business partners seem to be gas stations. 
I mean, there were some grocery stores, but they were like uh, unusual grocery stores that uh, I probably wouldn't go to. And I couldn't find really. Wait a minute. What's an unusual grocery store? Well, I know it might be uh, a grocery store that only, you know, features, say, Oriental food. Oh, okay. It might be an international grocery store. It wouldn't be necessarily a giant or, you know, or Whole Foods or something like that. So, um, and so it was, and I couldn't really find any restaurants. Uh, there were, there were some restaurants, but none that were close to me, but there are lots of gas stations. And so it turned out that I can get about 20% cash back if you pick the, the right gas station. Now you have to be careful because you don't want to pick a gas station that has high expensive gas price. And then after 20%, you're still paying more. So I would get a gas station that would have very competitive gas price at their base price. And I would get 20%. And I was thinking, well, I don't know if this thing's really going to work. But now I've done three gas fill-ups. And uh, you go in there, and you drive into the gas station, and it it can tell you're there with GPS. So then you claim the rebate, and then you have an hour to get your gas. And what you do, then you you just get your gas, buy it, and a receipt comes out. And then you take a picture of the receipt with your cell phone and upload it to the to the app. And two days later, you get the cash back. Now, in one case, I didn't even have to upload the receipt. I just told them what credit card I would be using. And as soon as the credit card transaction was done, I got uh, it uploaded that credit card transaction for me automatically. I did nothing, and I got the cash back. So now I've done, I've done three gas fill-ups, and now I've got nine dollars and ninety-four cents in my uh, in my account. Nice. And I could transfer that to Amazon and spend it on Amazon, or I could just simply ask them to send me a check. So now what I do, I just pull up my get what's up, get upside, and I just check for a gas station that has a discount. So that's kind of the app of the week. I, I thought it was a gimmick, but actually it works. Why not get 20 cents a gallon? Observations from the bunker. I've really started to look forward to this. Oh, yes. I love, you know, I love sitting in the bunker. We're going to have to oil these doors a bit, though. <laughs> well, hey, well, th- it's your dollar, man. <laughs> okay. Well, this week, I was thinking a lot about SpaceX because I watched their Falcon 9 rocket launch. And, uh, and Elon, Mu- Elon Musk, I mean, he's like a, you know, a wild cowboy entrepreneur. He just, <laughs> he just goes for it, I'm telling you. Well, I watched his, an interview that he gave on CBS this morning, and um, I thought it was interesting because he shared three things that we could all learn from SpaceX and from Elon's approach to business. These are his three big operating points when he's doing a business. He says, don't be afraid of big challenges. This launch was the culmination of a dream, and it's a dream come true. In fact, Elon, Elon thought it was almost surreal. And he said if you'd ask him when he started SpaceX 18 years ago if this would happen and he actually would launch a man into space, he would have figured it would be about one-tenth of a percent chance. But he went for it anyway. Because imagine if nobody ever did the hard things. Imagine if you woke up and just decided that, well, starting a business is too hard. Or you just decided that hard things weren't worth doing 
then we wouldn't have progress in this world. You've got to go after the big challenges. And Elon, Elon Musk always goes after the unbelievably big challenges. I mean, who would start a car company? I mean, single-handedly. Right, yeah. It's amazing. He says, now, once you go for the big challenge, focus on what's matter, on what matters. Overcoming challenges requires relentless focus on what matters the most. When you're launching people into space, it means delivering the astronauts safely to their destination, in this case, the International Space Station. According to Musk, their safety is the only priority for this team and is really all that he can think about right now. It isn't all that different for any business. Right now, the only thing that matters is figuring how to take care of your people, your customers, your community best. If you don't get it right, nothing else matters. Then the third important point that Elon Musk shared is share the credit, but take the responsibility. Rarely does anyone accomplish, accomplish anything hard, whether it's launching a business or launching a rocket on their own. Often it's the people at the top who get the recognition, but a good leader knows how to share the credit. Like Elon said, I'm the engineer of this thing, so I'd like to say if it goes right, it goes to the credit of the SpaceX NASA team, because I'm just one member of the team. Right. But if it goes wrong, it's all my fault. So he shares the credit, but takes the blame. Now, the second part may actually be a more important leadership lesson, though it's something we don't hear often. If you want people to join your idea or your adventure, show them you're willing to be generous in sharing the credit for its success while still being accountable for its outcome. So those are the three big lessons from Elon Musk. Focus, don't be afraid of big challenges. Focus on what matters, share credit, and take responsibility. Great thoughts in our observations from the bunker. Indeed. Okay, let's talk about coffee being banned in the A350 cockpit. Okay. The EU Aviation Agency, which is EASA, has issued a formal safety directive banning A350 airline pilots from putting cups of coffee anywhere near the sensitive cockpit electronics. And if you look at the inside of this cockpit, there's there's this sort of all this complicated electronics in the console right between the pilot and the co-pilot. Ah. So it's, it's right there where you... It's where right you, there where you, where, you, where you put the coffee. It's right, it's right there where you... Is there where a you, cup holder? No. No. Nah, they, 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 they sort of have to balance it on top of the... Uh, the switches, I don't know what they do. And so <laughs> it's good thing you're not a pilot. <laughs> and so they have confirmed that there is now a liquid prohibited zone. <laughs> an LPZ. An LPZ inside the A350 cockpit. And uh and this and that procedures must be followed in case of inadvertent liquid spillage. <laughs> now <laughs> now here's the thing. One pilot spilled coffee on that console, and it killed both engines. Oh, man. <laughs> they had a dual engine failure. And the, and the problem is 
What, I mean, how do you turn the engines how back on again? How do you override the computer once yeah, you fried it, right? That's right. And they they and then they finally managed to get them on, and they had a forced landing, and it, it damaged the the airplane, and it injured the occupants because it was a pretty rough landing. Wow. Okay. That's bad. Now, Aviation Trade Magazine Flight Global reported the cockpit coffee ban came about after two incidents that led to engines shutting down in mid-flight, or Jeez. and that after the coffee spilled on the console. The console provided inconsistent output to the engine. Or as of none. <laughs> That's right. Oh, now, last year, yeah. an A330 captain discovered while over the middle of the Atlantic when he spilled coffee on the aircraft radios, it caused them to melt. <laughs> so there you go. The EU so, has stepped in with a coffee ban in the cockpit. So this is just on the A350. Yeah. How about other aircraft? Is well, it just because this is console in the middle this of the sky? This console is just like where where your armrest would be. Uh-huh. I just think it's a poor design. Now there there are other consoles where they're up in front and they're and they're more vertical. Uh-huh. Where you it's would be hard to spill coffee on them. I got an idea. I think what we do is we adapt the salad bar sneeze guard yes. and put it over top the console. Exactly. Yeah, I'd, it's like I would, a splash guard. There. That's right. I think so, that, that's my solution. So now I, I'm I'm thinking maybe I should look in the cockpit of any airplane I'm flying to see whether it's safe. I with don't think coffee. they're going to let you in, Doc. Now, now the question is, they did not ban wine. <laughs> I think that's a given, though. <laughs> I'm just just saying. <laughs> I think that's a just given. saying. Okay, we got here's the idea of the week. All right, this is really a great idea: a glucose monitor that does not require you to prick your finger. This is a great idea. Yeah, see, this is the thing. Samsung announced it's developed a way to monitor blood glucose levels without requiring a finger prink. Prick. <laughs> prink. <laughs> Print. Finger prick. <laughs> All <laughs> right. Been, it's been a long day. It has been, it's, and it's only 10 o'clock. It's been a long day. This, uh, you know, Elwood really. Elwood re- kind of really threw us right threw off. The, right. The, it's been downhill. Now, they use a technique called Raman spectroscopy. Now, this is not Raman noodles. This is no, Raman spectroscopy. And, and what it does, the Raman uh, spectroscopy, it looks for what they call a Raman peaks. Now, it turns out that Raman spectroscopy is named after an Indian physicist, C.W. Raman. There you go. And you shine a laser into the finger, and it forces the molecules to vibrate, and then the molecules will shift the frequency of the light slightly mm. based on their based on their vibration modes, and they can measure that frequency shift, and they can tell the concentration of glucose by looking at the spectroscopy, the Raman spectroscopy coming out. I mean, it's a fairly neat idea. They probably have a little, little tiny laser and a thing, just put it on your finger, and boom, they, they've got it. So... So that's uh, there. You go. Um, they and they are. They haven't announced a, a date where they're going to release it, but I think it's actually a pretty good item. That's it for this week. See you next week for more Tech Talk Radio on Federal News Network. Tech Talk Radio is sponsored by Stratford University. For more information on courses at Stratford University, call 1-800-444-0804. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk Radio Online.